You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast. We got a lot to talk about here. It's Jeremy Warner, Online Enquirer publisher, and Joey Wagner of Online Enquirer as well. As Illinois football lands two more big commitments on Wednesday. Three star downstate tight end Carson Conkle, the highest rated downstate prospect in the class of 2024. He commits to Illinois. We'll talk all about what he brings as well as a big flip within the Big Ten as Illinois flips Wisconsin commit three-star Florida defensive back Vernon Woodward. So we'll talk about that. Some big visitors throughout the week including a big in-state you know, top five in-stater, top 100 prospect uh, Marquise Lightfoot, we'll talk about that. A couple other four-stars have uh, visited recently and uh, another big slate of official visitors. Oh, and we talked yesterday with our annual media roundtable with Illinois Athletics Director Josh Whitman. So we'll talk about everything he had to say from men's basketball and football and big issues uh, in the world of college athletics as well as new leadership in the world of college athletics and the Big Ten, uh, as well as new facilities, improving the fan experience, a lot of things we got to get to, Joey Wagner. How are you, man? Yeah, man. There's a lot going on. Uh, yesterday, we thought we were just going to have Josh Whitman turned into a big recruiting day. We're talking to Brett Bielema later on today. There's a lot going on, man. It's been a big month of June for Illinois football. Yeah, big month. And uh, let's start there, Joey, as it continues. Illinois adds two more commitments on Wednesday. Uh, and, and let's break down first Carson Conkle, uh, top downstate prospect. You and I felt like this is the kind of guy that Illinois has to land, right? Downstate, you get in early in this recruitment. Uh, I think they did a good job. And, you know, talking with uh, Ryan Lott, and, and I'll p- be posting that here very shortly, uh, the Pinckneyville head coach, like he said, this all started with Illinois' initial outreach. He was coaching elsewhere in the state, but he knew uh, that Illinois was open to if they felt they had a guy who was a D1 guy to reach out to Illinois. He did with Carson Conkle. Uh, Illinois wasn't able to get in there until spring, uh, due to some you know staff turnover there, but Andy Boo got down there, liked what he saw, uh, and uh, offered him. And, and Illinois really put the uh, pedal to the metal and able to land Carson Conkle. And Conkle didn't really commit to Illinois quite right away, um, but he ends up uh, you know committing to Illinois. Illinois was going to bring in Tanner Hollinger for an official visit this weekend. Seems like that uh, put a little bit of uh, pressure on, on Conkle to decide, hey, if this is where you want to be. I want to lock up your spot and Joey go ahead give your thoughts I'll move to a different location just so we're a little bit better here yeah I just think there's kind of a lot to unpack there uh shout out to to Ryan Lott for making the text like you're all these Big Ten coaches or this Illinois coaching staff comes down to your school and says hey let us know call us call us text us if you've got somebody and Pickneyville's not a 
program that has had somebody often or, or really boy it's been a while jeremy i'm sure somebody will have the the details on that so for you to just make the text and, and shoot your shot i guess for for your kid that's what you want out of a high school coach and and then you look at carson conkle and you know they were Illinois recruited him as a tight end the tape doesn't i mean he doesn't play tight end in the tape he's a running back he's an outside backer but his traits jump off the tape he's, he's very fast he's He's a smart football player. He's, there's a lot you got to do, right? You got to add weight. You got to learn the tight end position a little bit more. But, man, he, he looks like he's a kid, like you said, Jeremy, that you can't necessarily lose. I, I mean, you can't you can't not get a kid from Pickneyville. And I, I know the offers were there. And, and to be honest, after he camped at Arkansas, we knew he was camping there. He got the offer. I don't know what your thoughts were, but I thought, well, they're, they're probably going to have to to turn the page here. And I think it's just a kid who, as you mentioned, and we've talked about it, like I hearing and reading some of Ryan Lott's comments, not to, to out your, your story here, but um, it, it solidifies a lot of what we said and what we thought that this is a long pro a big process, typically a long process. And for him, it wasn't. And it must've just felt like waves of information of text of calls. And, and you've got to sort through that, but but big picture, this is a kid you've got to lock down similar to, uh, Aiden Lawfrey, in the sense of like, Aiden was more Illinois' backyard, of course. A Hank Beatty, like, this is not a, it's a recruited part of the state. I don't want to act like no other Power Five schools come through downstate Illinois, uh, but this isn't the the well that is Chicago. You, you should have those relationships to lock them down, and, and Illinois built those. And goes back to that outreach that we talk so much about in, in this winter of 2021 uh, to to make those connections. Yeah, uh, change locations. I'll deal with uh, some construction noise rather than some uh, some bad internet connection here. But uh, thanks for holding down the fort there, Joey. Yeah, I think, you know, downstate, let, let's, I mean, Illinois, they can't put a fence around the state. I think they can put a pretty dang good fence around downstate. I think if this is the class of, you know, when Austin Brown was going through his recruitment, if he was a 2024 kid, I think Illinois has got a pretty good chance to land him just because of what they've done on the field the relationships you've built, but they've done a really good job as, as you need to do. You can't let these players like Hunter Woodward, like Nick broker leak out of your state. Now East St. Louis, the Metro East is going to be a little bit more heavily recruited, but when you get a Hank Beatty, when you get a Caden Fagan, uh, Aiden Lawfrey or Carson Conkle, Illinois needs to have a really good chance of landing them. And, and they have under Brett Bielma, which is not a, a surprise, right? Like Brett Bielma, from obviously Northwest Illinois, but similar kind of areas, rural. Uh, I, I think it's really important for Illinois to land him. And the upside here is, is so enticing. You turn on Carson Conkle's film and it's a low level of football, right? It's class two, a, I believe at, at Pinkneyville class three, yeah, two or three, somewhere in that mix. So it, It's a really small school football. And he's only played five games of varsity football. He's had two leg injuries, which is that a concern? He had a broken leg last year. He returned, played a full season of basketball. So it seems like he is absolutely fine. He's worked out for all these coaches. Uh, seems like more of a freak thing. He's six foot six, 225 pounds. You turn on the film, Joey, and it's, for a guy that big, he moves like he's he's a, a wide receiver. Uh, he, he's really fast. He's he's really athletic, quick twitch, lateral agility is really good. He's going to take some time to develop. He's going to need to add some strength. He's going to need to obviously adjust to a much higher level of football. But the ceiling here is what Illinois needs at tight end. Because if they weren't able to land Conkle and say they had to add two-star Tanner Hollinger, 
you're starting to wonder about, hey, what's up with tight end recruiting? Like, I like Henry Boyer a lot. Um, I, I think, you know, they got a little lucky that, you know, he wasn't able to get out in camp due to COVID when, when he was going through the recruiting process. But Nate Gwynn, it's kind of a developmental guy, right? Owen Anderson, he's going to have more development ahead of him. Uh, and then, you know, last year you missed out on your top targets. You go get Gwynn. This year, Conkle was your top guy. If you would have missed out on him, it's like, okay, Bart Biuma's sell of what he did at Arkansas, Wisconsin tight ends is not working out here. Robbie Disher did a nice job. Andy Boo did a fantastic job here. And obviously, Brett Bielma and those guys resonated. So to, to land him, I don't think he's an immediate impact guy. He's going to need to develop. But you got Tip Ryman. You got Griffin Moore for a couple of years. You got uh, Henry Boyer, who I think is going to be an important part. But in a couple of years, uh, Conkle could flash some some real things on the field as, as somebody who can both be a really good receiver and blocker. I, it's just, does Illinois have that guy right now in their future depth chart? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, Tip Ryman will have eligibility. Still, when, when Conco gets to camp, it's the only thing that would pull him away. It would be if he went pro early, and, and I don't know that that's the expectation as we go into the season. So you glue Carson Conco to him. Tip Ryman, like he's that guy that you, you want people to follow. Uh, Griffin Moore will be gone. I would say Griffin Moore would be in that same category. Uh, Tip Ryman works. I mean, the whole reason Tip Ryman's the number one tight end is because he worked his butt off to get here, and he kind of knows where to go. So you glue Conco to him, man. I mean, just gloom for a whole year, whatever, tail him, whatever the case is. And, and yeah, it's going to be a development year for him, but the ceiling is, um, the ceiling is really enticing and it does, doesn't answer every question about tight end recruiting, but to see them go out and get a top target, because that's been the thing, right? Since Brett Bielma was hired is boy, all those tight ends, all those tight ends, you bring in Barry Lunny, who's a tight ends coach uh, at Arkansas. It's like all those tight ends, you, you, you're, it's a good sign for Illinois to see them land one of their top targets and to beat out some pretty good programs for, for Carson Conkle. Yeah, and in this recruitment, like I, we've talked about it, this recruitment is pretty big. It got pretty big pretty quick for Carson. Um, got his first, you know, I think D1 offer mid-spring. Uh, then Indiana offers, Illinois quickly offers after that as they get down and see him, Boston College, Virginia Tech. Michigan State and Pitt, like all these schools. And, you know, the Arkansas offer felt like it could be a game changer. They, he was going to visit Michigan State, ended up not going there, was going to visit Pittsburgh. I doubt that happens now, obviously. Um, but this is a nice job, I think, for Illinois, their process of Conkle from start to finish. And it started with Bielma's initial outreach, just saying, hey, high school coaches, we're open. If, if you want your guy evaluated, if you just think he's a D1 guy or whatever, we'll give you honest feedback. Uh, but we want to hear from you and to have that connection for just Ryan Lott to have Andy Boo's cell phone number is, is, is in that he had the confidence and um, he had the, you know, connection there to be like, yeah, I can text Andy about this guy. Uh, I think it was important. And then they follow through with the process. They get him on campus. And as we're finding out here, Joey, we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, they're pretty good uh, at official visits uh, with this thing. So a nice, nice recruitment for Illinois here. Uh, but then they get a big flip, Joey, Vernon Woodward, really good defensive back. You turn on that film and you see Illinois cornerback kind of feistiness, Illinois cornerback length, uh, 6'2", 180. But they flip him from Wisconsin just two weeks after he committed uh, to Wisconsin. Wisconsin has been a thorn in Illinois' side so far with Luke Fickle. Last year, they were a thorn in the side, uh, even with um, you know Paul Christ on the hot seat and all those things. So to get a win like this, to flip him, 
uh, is is big. What do you think of this? Yeah, I can we start with the tape because when you watch these Florida defensive backs that Illinois is in on, especially corners, it's not a carbon copy, but it's pretty close. Um, they're, they're physical, they're aggressive, they can cover. They, they've got to tackle. We we talked to somebody yesterday who basically said if they don't tackle. It's not a high degree of of interest there. Uh, they they want that physicality. Bernard Woodward, he, he fits that mold. I, I mean, he's he's a very aggressive corner, and to go out and and get that flip, we had talked about this, right? He he visited Wisconsin. Bernard Woodward did committed on his visit, and to show up at Illinois the next week, it was like this is something's up here. Um, are you going to do it? Oh, I thought you were going to do it. Um, I, Perfect. Uh, give me a draft tonight too. What's up, man? That's good. Con- that's good. Look at that tie-in, Jim. Everybody the podcast listeners, I'm doing the the Brian Windhorse meme <laughs> photo in my office. Uh, but yeah, man, that that's a Illinois continued to pursue him, got him on campus after his commitment, and and sold their pitch, and and it was a big flip. The rating, I mean, he's not a four star kid, but I know he's one of your guys. And not to steal your thunder there, Jeremy, but his tape is impressive. He's physically can cover. He's a guy that you've seen Illinois recruit out of the state of Florida as a defensive back off really since since Brett Bielema got here and, and probably to a degree before that. Yeah, and I don't want to lock a guy into a position, uh, but boy, he looks like a corner. Uh, but I do think he can play free safety. Illinois kind of figures that out as they go along. They'll, they'll switch guys' positions. But this guy has, has positional versatility, but I think corner. Uh, 6'2", he's got that length that Aaron Henry likes, but I think most importantly, he's got that feistiness. And Shout out Antonio Finellis. We, we've talked about Charlie Bullen and his immediate impact in recruiting so far. We'll get more into that. Um, we've talked about now Robbie Disher landing his first commitment in, in Carson Conkle along with Andy Boo there. Uh, but uh, this is a big one for Antonio Finellis, who is the lead here. And, uh, you know, Antonio's coached and recruited a little bit, but not at this level. Uh, he was a defensive analyst at, at LSU. So this is a pretty nice first get. And yeah, I mean, I think we all saw that Wisconsin commitment was a surprise. It, it was a surprise from what we've heard. It was pretty impulsive. Um, and, uh, you know, not to dive into like personal stuff with, with him, but like it, it just felt like that wasn't going to stick. Even Ryan Easterling was telling us that that one doesn't feel like it's going to stick. And then he visits Illinois and Illinois felt really good. Feels like this has been in the works for the last week and a half. But uh, this is this is Illinois cashing in on its DB cell, right, Joey? Like we were wondering, you got to take advantage of Devin Witherspoon being the number five pick in the draft, of Quan Martin being a top fifty draft pick, of Sidney Brown, of Kirby Joseph. Vernon Woodward is the type type of Power Five recruiting win that I think shows that resonates. Because yeah, Woodward to me is a little underrated in our rankings right now. I think he's like nine hundred in the country in the composite nine eleven. Um, 87 rating for 24 seven sports doesn't feel too off, but he, to me, he's a high three star, uh, getting into that four star level caliber for me. Like if you were doing top six fifty for four stars, as people know, I, I would do, I think he'd be right in that category. So I think this is one of the best gets they've gotten in the class. And, and yeah, he's, he's one of my guys because you turn on the film and you see the, the traits that we always talk about, but you also see the mindset that made, you know, Devin Witherspoon successful, Quan Martin successful. I think Nate Hobbs successful, uh, and I think Gallo Taz Nicholson. What, what made him successful last year? Only Vernon Woodward's six two, not closer to to five ten. Yeah, like you said, the traits are there. Like we're starting now that you've got a few recruiting classes. Not to get too far off of the the path here, but like 
you see the traits more and more as they start getting the, whether it's an offer, who they have probably more appropriately, who they have visit and who they land commitments from. Like you see the traits that matter uh, to this coaching staff at the various positions. We're still learning some, obviously, but I, I think defensive back is, it's very, very clear what this coaching staff wants. Yeah, Joey. And um, Ryan Walters used this. Hate to bring up Ryan Walters with Illinois fans right now. How dare you? <laughs> um, but pull the trigger was, was something he always brought up and we wrote about several times. It changed Sidney Brown's football playing career. Yeah. Like that, that phrase almost, yeah, changed it for, for Sydney. That like, hey, we we can scheme you up. We can teach you technique. But if you're thinking too much out there, just pull the trigger. Just you are a football player. Go play football. When you see something or you feel something, do it. Uh, Sydney Brown clearly had that. Devin Witherspoon clearly had that. Quan Martin clearly had that the last couple of years. Um, I think Nate Hobbs has shown that in the NFL, right? Uh, the last couple of years. Woodward has that. Like, I, I think that is so important to this staff. Like, whenever you turn on the DB film of most of these guys that we're talking about, most of them have that instinct, that, that pull the trigger mentality. All right. This is a big week. Uh, even more. They're going to try and add more. We're up to, let's bring this up, Joey, 11 commitments in the class of 2024. That's why I always say don't start judging a class until we get through June because it changes a lot in June. So I understood some fretting about getting having only three commitments. We talked about earlier in this month. Now it's time to close. Boy, they're closing. Uh, out of the 14 prospects they hosted, nine are now committed. Uh, the 14 official visitors the first weekend, nine are now committed. Only one, I believe, is off the board. And Luke Williams, you still got Darion Dupree, Brett Carroll, right? Some, some top targets. Ricky Knight, Xavier Lucas still on the board. So you still have a chance to add more. I, I went in depth on my piece, Joey, about what they do, how they plan and execute official visits. It works. It works. They're pretty good at this thing. They are. They are good at this. And again, that's why when you see somebody visiting, circle the name. If you've got a recruiting board at home, you probably don't circle that name because like that's somebody you, you've got to monitor through the month of June. I know I've said that before, but it, it really does matter with the way that they go about these and not to continue to rehash what they do well. And I know you captured it well in their, your piece, but there's so many bonds that they create. Uh, and Illinois is very intentional about it. This isn't like an accident. Illinois is very intentional about parents getting to know each other, players getting to know each other. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, I know there was some fretting in June. You would have liked to see maybe one or two more commits on, on these visits to continue to reinforce that. But let's be honest, some of these guys pop so quick. They, they may not have been recruiters on their visit when they were still uncommitted, but it, I'm sure the vibe around there got pretty clear um, who was jumping on board quickly. Yeah, we had a pretty good idea. I mean, I had the, I had the crystal ball picks in for a while, right, of Demetrius John, of Carlos Orr, of Tyshawn Griffin. Like Those guys were as good as, as on, on, on the commitment list. They just had to do it and, and publicly announce it and maybe just have that feeling on the official visit. So, yeah, I, I feel like those guys were already recruiting each other. Demetrius John sounded like he was already recruiting people while he was on the visit. And then you have that feel, um, and, and they've talked about it. That's why they want these big groups of visitors so they can recruit each other along with the staff, along with the parents, all those things. So uh, they just do a really good job of, of building this. You know, every kid even admits it, Joey. Like family, the whole motto might seem a little cheesy, but they live it. Like they, they sell it and – um, it seems like it's genuine uh, to these kids. So got to give them credit for that.
Go ahead. No, just the thing with that family, like I still, come on, dude. I still roll my eyes at it because it is cheesy. But like you can't really argue whatever the vibe is. Like that's a real thing. And that's how they're branding it. But to a person, like whether it's recruits, staff, or, I mean, like it, it really is a thing. And it feels weird saying that because I do kind of cringe when I read it or see it because it's just not something I'm involved in on my day to day. So I don't maybe have that same feeling, but dude, whatever they've cultivated there, that atmosphere, I, I think is probably how I feel less cheesy about saying it. Like that's a real thing. And it, it clearly matters to, to not only these guys, but to the family, like you, you don't want to send your kids somewhere that you, you don't trust or you think is going to be not for them in, in a year or two or whatever the case is. And it may, may not be for them in a year or two. Uh, but it, it's a real thing, man. And even the two L's is a little, uh, for me, it, it's real. Well, whether you're doing Oski or whether you're doing Liddyville. Everyone needs family, something, right? Row the boat or whatever, whatever it is. If it's genuine, like if it, if it actually has a feel to it and, you know, family makes a little bit more sense, um, but like it's, it's working. It, it's working for them and they, these recruits and these parents, they all come back saying, yeah, it is different. It, it feels a little bit different out there. And that's what Illinois has to do. You, you got to be genuine. And that's why it kind of is interesting. They'd go with puppies over Lamborghinis, right? Like it's kind of a little bit more genuine of a feel. Um, and, and I guess a little more cuddly. Uh, yeah, but- I, they know who they are, Jeremy. Yes. Like that's the thing. I, I, I think that's the best way I can summarize it with this staff is, is they know exactly who they are. I don't think they've got a lot of intent to to flex one way or the other. I mean, you know, there's a lot of you've got to do what you've got to do and, and be who you need to be to get these kids. But I don't think they stray too far yeah. from who they are. And I think that's a it's a really telling and important thing. Um, it's just they don't change that. And I think that's important. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The biggest visitor of the month, top 100 edge rusher out of Chicago, Kenwood, Marquise Lightfoot, is wrapping up his official visit probably as we speak here. Um, obviously, the top potential target Illinois could land uh, in this class. Of, of all the guys that they are in on, he is the highest ranked. He would come with the most 
cachet. He'd be the headliner get in this class. He'd be the highest ranked prospect Illinois could land uh, since Terry Hawthorne back in 2009. So this is huge. But, of course, you're going up against Ohio State, you know, USC, uh, some tower house programs, Alabama, Georgia. like that. That's his top six, Miami. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult for Illinois to land. But even the vibe, you know, just speaking with people in the program, Joey, it's like we're giving ourselves a chance. We're, we're giving ourselves a chance with this kid, whether it's now or I think whether they – I know I haven't heard this from people, but I always think in the transfer portal era, whether it's now or it's two years from now, or a year from now, like you put yourself in the conversation. Like I know this one didn't work out, right? But Illinois and Lovey Smith recruited Luke Ford hard. They were one of his first offers, and they got him the second time around. I know that one didn't work out, but that's that's part of what you want to do to put yourself in the conversation for elite talent, and then to get you know top twenty four seven edge rusher Brian Robinson on campus. Tion Gray, a four star prospect, was on campus just to to support his friends and everything. But Illinois. You know, talk to him. The coaches are have been in talks with him. Thad Ward's been in talk with him to get these level of prospects to land these prospects. You got to get them on campus and to get Marquis Lightfoot on campus for an official visit and be in the actual mix here, where he's seriously considering you, even if you're an underdog here. I'm not into moral victories, but this is a step forward for Illinois. Yeah, it's, Charlie Bowen's done a good job there. Illinois being a program that isn't at the bottom of the Big Ten every year. Has probably done a good job there, but then you bring in a guy with Charlie Bowen's ties, his, his background, his history, his personality. It's going to give you a shot. And you're right; if, if they're not on campus, probably don't have a shot. Like this is a COVID where kids are committing sight unseen to campuses they've never been to. Uh, you've got to get them on there. You've got to let that atmosphere we just talked about kind of speak its way um, in person. You've got to spend some time with these guys. I can't imagine. Charlie Bullen, Aaron Henry were, especially in a week visit, right? When it's just one guy, I cannot imagine they were ever very far from Marquise Lightfoot, pitching their pitch, building those connections, continuing those. And you see what happens. I don't think you and I are sitting here trying to say like, Hey guys, hang tight. Like this, I don't, this is a big recruitment. It's a huge recruitment against the best programs in the country, but Illinois, like, again, we talked about it. Imagine walking by and seeing that top six, Illinois doesn't yeah. <laughs> generally fit in in that, but it's, it's a testament to the work they've put in, the pitch they have, the defense they have, and and the program pretty – I mean, the arrow is pretty clearly pointing up here for Illinois football. Yeah. Um, I'll hit on this. I, I don't think they're the favorite. Ohio State has crystal ball picks from two of the best in the business, Alan True and Steve Wolfong, who are amazingly tied in. And I, I don't think Illinois thinks it's probably the favorite here, but they're going to battle. Uh, and they're going to make their pitch, and they have a pitch. That's the thing, is they now have a pitch to a guy like Marquise Lightfoot. When you can show them Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman and Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph and even show them you know, what Devin Witherspoon those guys, it's a different position, but they're having success in this defense. And, of course, you know Brett Bielma could sell J.J. Watt, right, and uh, recruiting D.J. Watt when he was younger, um, but like he never coached him. But you know, they can sell those things. Brett Bielma can sell his NFL sell. And then obviously Charlie Bowen now can say, Hey, I d- helped develop some of the best pass rushers in the world, not in college football, in the world, in Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick, uh, Cameron Wake, guys like that. Uh, does it stack up with Ohio State that can sell Nick and Joey Bosa and, and Chase Young and college football playoff appearances and, 
you know, uh, maybe some ridiculous NIL. I know some people saying back up the Brinks truck. I still don't think that's the way Illinois is going to operate with high school prospects. Uh, maybe I'm wrong there, Joey, but Malik Elsey has NIL deals. Like, and, and Malik Elsey's another sell here. You wouldn't be the only Chicago kid. You'd, you would not be the first Chicago four-star to buy into this program. Wouldn't be the first Chicago public league guy. So there is some familiarity there. Um, so I, I do think they have a sell, whether it ends up, you know, trumping Ohio State or, you know, Miami or some of these other schools. I'm not sure, but I don't think they're last on his list. That's for sure. Yeah. And again, like you said, in this era, this isn't 2003 when a kid picks somewhere else and like, that's it. Right. That's for the most part, that's it. That, that's the end of that recruitment. Shake your hand if we ever run into each other again. Like, I don't, you, you hate to go that far, but it's the reality. Like, you've got to make sure re- relationships are maintained from the time you start reaching out to a kid for the first time until the kid is either out of eligibility or goes to the NFL. Um, because that's, that's the way college football works. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Brian Robinson, you know, came out on campus, camped. I think it's good to get him with Charlie Bowen. Maybe he'll be uh, interested. Michigan's the heavy favorite there, it seems like, or was. Penn State, very involved there. Uh, he just took a visit to Maryland, which is recruiting really well. Um, but he's another one to watch if he decided to take an official visit later. But he was on campus yesterday. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch that going forward. But uh, a huge group of official visitors this weekend. Still waiting on this final list, Joey, and it could change based on some of the commitments they had, right? Like Wakonkle visiting, I, I doubt uh, Tanner Hollinger visits now. Uh do any of the DBs not make it because they already got Vernon Woodward? They still need a couple more DBs in this class. But uh, you got running back Khalil Valentine, offensive lineman Caleb Pye from defensive lineman D'Amico Kennedy, edge rushers Joe Barna and Josiah Knight, and uh, a bunch of Florida DBs have been on the list. Kevin Levi, Dalen Platt, Jacob Cosby-Mosley, Amar Reynolds, Chase Green, and also commit Brandon Hansen is visiting out of Mundelein. So uh, what strikes you the most out of that list, Joey? I mean, we're still waiting on what they do with or what is done for them, I guess, at running back. Um, how does that land? You've, you've, you've got two four stars, so you're only two running backs, Darion Dupree, Khalil Valentine, um, who, who have taken or will take visits. Something's got to happen at the running back position at some point soon, right? I, I mean, well, there's three options, right? It's Dupree picks you over Wisconsin, which I think it's more of a toss up. Than, than most people have assumed coming into this. I, now, I do think coming into the month, Illinois was had some work to do, but from what I've heard, the visit went really well. Usually they don't go badly, I will admit that, but there was there was some confidence coming out of that visit. Khalil Valentine now comes to campus, so Illinois is not going to sit uh, back and just wait for Dupree. Wisconsin had another running back come to campus, so uh, it's either Dupree picks him, Valentine picks them, or they have to widen the net. After this, and, and they are some talented running backs that they they're going to get a, a running back that I think is at least solid in this class. But Illinois has a heck of a running back cell. Bielma has a heck of a running back cell and they have a need uh, for somebody who's fast, explosive. And and those two guys certainly could do it. So, yeah, I, I think running back is one of the most intriguing things because you could land a headliner at that position. You could. And, and if you don't, that net widens, I would suspect, probably into the fall. Would you think that's because you're running out of time here in June? Yeah, I don't know if you get a guy on an official visit, uh, but they they've been scouting, they've been evaluating, and let's be honest, like if you know a three star running back that's ranked one thousand or whatever, uh, I think they'd have pretty high interest. I think they could close that down if they wanted to, or or they could just you know 
keep going, maybe try and keep working Darion Dupree. If Darion Dupree wants to take it in the fall, I would imagine Illinois keeps pushing uh, for him because he, he is number one on their board. I mean, Valentine obviously coming in is very similar prospect. Um, so I shouldn't say he's just number one. Maybe they're 1A, 1B there, but um, Dupree's been the, the target for a really, really long time, and he'd be a big in-state win. So uh, Dupree had a Missouri official. He's been quiet since he took the Illinois official. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what his plan is. Yeah, you ride the wave out with those guys until they commit to you or commit elsewhere. Like you, you've kind of too far into turnaround. I think Caleb Pyfrom's interesting too, um, because a lot of the offensive line feels set isn't the word I want to use. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but you can shoot really high um, at offensive line after you got Zafir Stewart, you have Brandon Hansen. Is Eddie Turk an offensive lineman, defensive lineman? Eddie Turk, excuse me. Don't know. Probably won't know until he gets on campus or depending on how other things shake out. But Bart Miller and Brett Bielema have a chance to kind of, I don't know, flex is it, but go shoot high. Like you, you've got the, the bones of your class filled out. We'll see what happens there. I think that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be movement on the defensive backboard here. Yeah. Um, We'll see, we'll see who actually takes their official visits this weekend. They've had five guys set up. I don't think they have five spots left. So uh, does Kevin Levi make it? Um, you know, he's Florida State. Seems like it's trending really well there. But Dalen Platt's the guy Aaron Henry really likes. Six foot three corner could probably play safety as well. Jacob Cosby Mosley looks like an Illinois Wake Forest battle. Strong safety nickel, really hard hitter in the box kind of guy. Amar Reynolds, really good athlete, long, really athletic. Uh, reminds me a little bit probably of Jaheim Clark the year prior. Jaheim ha- has that feistiness. That's why I liked him as a prospect. And they got I'm high on Chase Green, a free safety prospect, really good ball hawk. Uh, he could probably play nickel as, as well. But um, I, I think those all would be good gets. Dalen Platt uh, obviously is, is a bit more big offers. Um, you know, Omar Reynolds and Chase Green don't. But the fact that you have Woodward and these guys have traits and good film, they're from Florida there's going to be some movement there. Like they, they, they should get some commitments there this weekend. And then the edges, right? Like I, I don't think they're not going to take a commitment from Joe Barner, Josiah Knight this weekend and worry about Marquise Lightfoot. They'll add Lightfoot no matter what. Um, but I, I do like both those prospects, Barner from Wheaton North, another in-state kid. If you can land, I think he'd be the sixth in-state kid in this class. If you can land him, that'd be another strong class. And you keep shooting your shot for Dupree um, and uh, Lightfoot. And then Josiah Knight, you know, we were talking with somebody yesterday, and I said, I, I hate making the comp, but there's some gay backus like physical traits there when you talk about strength and athleticism, and they didn't disagree. So uh, I'm really high on him. He's got, um, he took an official visit to Georgia Tech last month, was formally committed to Cincinnati, just a really talented Florida edge rusher. So uh, those are two positions I'm really interested in. And like you said, I, I think they're just looking to strengthen the lines, right? Caleb Pyfron, Brett Carroll on the offensive line potentially D'Amico Kennedy on the defensive line. So you're shooting higher, right? You are shooting higher outside everywhere, probably, but DB where you got a couple guys who don't have other power five offers, but all these are intense power five recruitments. They are. And we had somebody ask just to get ahead of, uh, does the Woodward commitment impact the decision of Ricky Knight? No. If Ricky Knight wants to jump on board. Or Ricky Knight's probably not, but Ricky Knight's got Miami, Florida State, just visiting Florida State. I believe he's visiting Miami this weekend. Those are going to be tough. Like we knew coming into the month. I felt it was going to take those schools kind of slow playing Ricky Knight, but um, 
Illinois did well, and but it's just hard to pull a Florida kid when when Florida State's played well last year under Mike Norvell and Crystal Ball is re- recruiting pretty well in his second year there. Yeah, but the point is, I mean, there's still a lot a lot of room. I say a lot. Yeah, a lot of room on the DB train here for for Illinois in the class of 24. And and I'm with you. You'll start to see some some things, some dominoes probably fall by this time next week. And um, I think overlook Xavier Lucas. He's quiet. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't get a lot of buzz out of him. But it, it's a Big Ten battle with Wisconsin and, and Iowa there. He's visiting Iowa this weekend. So just another guy who's, who's still sitting there on the board. Can we? I, I was thinking about this the other day. So this is a little off the, the pat. It's interesting to watch the battle. Like who's Illinois battling with most? Um, and there are some some constant. Like Purdue is going to be a constant player. You get, this has been sitting there on my desk as a as a story idea. Is the the most intense recruiting rivalries in the class of twenty twenty four. So go. Well, he, who, it's Who'd Wisconsin? Yeah. Probably Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be the most overlap. Then you I would say Purdue is probably right behind them. But here's the thing, and I, I was thinking about this because I, I really appreciate the work David Eichholt and Sean Bach do over at uh, their 247 side. So anytime they post something, I, I go over and look and see what's going on. There's not a lot of overlap, and it feels like two there's some, but it feels like two years ago, yep. uh, they were like the number one. Uh, re- recruiting battle for Illinois. So th- that's going to change, right? It's going to change a little bit every year. I don't think Purdue is going to change that much. I don't think Wisconsin is going to change that much. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's really fascinating to watch kind of how that navigates through year over year uh, because it, it has changed a, a little bit. And it's interesting, the positions. Like Wisconsin, it feels like everything. Like the last two years, across two staffs, like they're, they're recruiting kind of the same things. Purdue, obviously, defensive guys. They're, they're very similar to the defensive guys, obviously, and that makes sense. Uh, Iowa had some defensive back overlap, but it felt like it was more just the early ones. Minnesota linemen, offensive mm-hmm. linemen especially, have kind of overlapped there a little bit. And then, you know, Illinois just being in Florida, they've, they've gotten some battles with Florida State and Miami here. Um that's good company. That's that's better company than group of five schools, Joey. It is. And I'm wondering, and I, I have my answer. I don't wonder if you've thought about this at all. Let's keep in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan has been kind of in, in that mix a, a little bit, not nearly as, as much. And Illinois certainly Illinois, to, Illinois lost like five battles to right, them. Right, right. Like it's Michigan. Like yeah. right is there a Big Ten school that you think is going to be kind of that one to come up and you'll see battles in 25, 26. I have an idea. I don't know if it's the right idea, but I'm curious if, if you've got a school you think is someone we'll see in those top fives in the Big Ten more. I, I mean, I, I don't know if this is your answer, but like Northwestern continues to be one for linemen, especially when Eddie Turk was involved there. They were recruiting some of the different linemen. They've, they've gone a lot more into Texas here mm-hmm. recently, but they do recruit the state pretty well. And I do think Bielema and Fitzgerald have some similarities, and they like each other, man. They're, they're close. So, uh, And obviously, they're, they're recruiting the same territory. Does <sighs> mm, Nebraska, Nebraska comes to mind? I, I don't know. No, I, I think they're going Texas. You do? That's the hard part about that Nebraska job is there's not a natural recruiting territory. Because Nebraska, you get Omaha, you get Lincoln – that's about it. Like, there's not much big metros there. Kansas City, somewhat close. Dallas is kind of where they've gone. Matt Rule has, you know, experience down at Baylor, obviously. So, uh, I think that's what they're more of a national brand. Um, 
And that's, that's what can be difficult is you're, you're trying to bring kids uh, from all over the country there. But that's why I think that's a little bit more difficult. Like the Juco's they they used to do with Tom Osborne. Uh, it doesn't seem like as much anymore because there's so many Juco's in Kansas and everything, but yeah, that's, I don't see a lot of overlap. I don't see Nebraska. I was talking, I think it was edgy Tim. I was talking with the other week. They just don't see Nebraska that often. I get it. Like Nebraska had some connections on their previous staff of Chicago. Got a kid like Julio Martin. Um, but I don't think they're going to be as overlapped with Illinois. Yeah, I wondered if the offensive line was going to be an overlapping spot there. Uh, that's what first came to my mind. But, yeah, I think you're kind of entrenched right now uh, for the most part in your Big Ten battles. And to your point, like when we talk about, like, oh, the Power Five offers and maybe it kind of goes in one out, ear out the other, it does for me sometimes. But when you zoom out a little bit and look at, at the battles and how that's changed – this isn't just a, a shot at the previous staff, but even as Brett and his staff were building this in that first year, kind of how that's continued to navigate and trend and, and who you're, you're going up against. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, I want to focus now on our two-hour chat with Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman, who gave his 73-minute opening statement. It's like a one-hour chat with 73 minutes of Josh chatting at us, but very. De- I'm messing around. It was a very, very detailed uh, couple hours with Josh. Well, I, th- I think Josh is like, oh. like, we told him how long it was. He's like, oh, man. I was way too-. But it was like, it's so informative, and it answers so many of our questions, like preemptively. But then we can follow up. So I find it very informative. It's kind of a state of Illini address, but he also gives us, it's not just him filibustering, right? Like it's like he gives his takes or whatever he wants to say. And then he answers our questions until we're done answering questions. Like, I mean, he was there for another hour talking with TV stations after he talked with us. Um, so I gave my five quick takeaways yesterday. We're going to dive more into this, get him more verbatim about what he said. But I'll give you the floor, Joey, right away. What was one of your biggest takeaways? Uh, from from the Josh Whitman annual media roundtable summit, whatever you want to call it, I think it was kind of part of it. And we had talked in our in our group chat with, with some of the other guys. Um, it did kind of require us to step back a little bit because I think this academic year was the most successful of his tenure. And I don't I don't want to say it wasn't that close because volleyball doing what volleyball did a few years ago makes it close. But when you have your three biggest or say men's golf is probably in that um three most visible programs i think yes yeah three most visible programs all in the postseason uh for all of the and i get it it's up and down all year whether it's football uh going into that month of november falling or or basketball in march or, or even the women's team injuries and just minutes caught up with them late 
Um, there can be a little bit of frustration, uh, but man, this was this was a really successful season uh, for Illinois athletics, and like I said, the most successful of Josh's tenure. Period. Your three most visible programs are all relevant. They're all relevant. As Josh Whitman said, once we get to the postseason, we want to have more success. Right. So there's always that caveat. But the last time, I believe, Illinois, all three made their NCAA tournament or bowl game or whatever, I think it was 1999. Like, so, yeah, that, that was, Josh Whitman said, this was a culmination of, of what we've been building for since I got here in 2016. Like, this is what we want. We want to be in the mix. Now, he said, now we got to make sure that standard is upheld and we don't uh, rest on our laurels basically is now we have to have more success. We've got to keep building on it. The big Ten's only going to get tougher, but he's raised the bar for, for those three programs. I will say this, like some of the other programs are struggling a little bit more baseball, volleyball, soccer. We asked him about some of those sports. Uh, I, I don't see any big changes for baseball. At least, you know, Dan Hartman's going to be here a while. Janet Rayfield. I'm, I'm interested to see, does, does she have a couple more years? She's a legend here. But they just haven't made the tournament in what eight years, nine years, something like that. Um, so you obviously want to be more competitive with that new facility. He's got new coaches in some other sports. Obviously, Shauna Green just just a, a rising star and just a ridiculous supernova of what they did this year. Uh, but your basketball program, despite the lack of NCAA tournament success, and th- this is this is my first one, Joey. He went out of his way to address men's basketball. And because he knows people are not happy about the NCAA tournament. People are not happy with roster turnover and not landing Ray J. Dennis. Like that is kind of just hung over the last month here of, of the Ray J. Dennis saga. But they are a good program. They're a really good Big Ten program. They have not had success in the NCAA tournament. Most teams in the Big Ten have not had that success. But Whitman has talked about like, Listen, we have to be successful in our conference. That is the number one standard we have to meet. If we are successful in our conference, we are making the NCAA tournament. And, well, 2000, he said 2021, like that's the year. that I'm so glad he mentioned that because that's been exactly what we thought for a while here. It it felt like he was giving the same take we have. Like, if Illinois had just won in 2021, got to the Elite Eight, got to the Final Four, the, the negativity would not be here. I think people like, yeah, next year, ran into a good Houston team. The next year, should have been a rebuilding year. Um, but, you know, we, we had a bad matchup with Arkansas. It was just a, a toss-up game. We ended up losing. Um, but you can't do that when you lost in 21 with your best team in 16 years. And it just has this, are we ever going to break through? Is, is Brad Underwood the guy? Like, all those things. When if you had just made the Final Four or Elite Eight that year, I, I don't think there's any question uh, about that. Um, now, I understand. Winning in the NCAA tournament can become a skill. If, if For six years in, you don't get to the Sweet 16, I think that's going to be a problem for Brad Underwood. But you do just got to keep getting bites at the apple. So I, I understand Josh Whitman's going to support his guy no matter what. But I, I don't think he was just slinging PR there. I, th- I think he really believes, like I believe. Like Tom Izzo's best teams, most talented teams, were not the ones that have made the run most of the time. It's He gets there every year. And one year, he might surprise you with a Final Four run. So you just got to keep getting there, man. Bill Self's the same way. Some of his most talented teams have been upset. And then he takes his older team that's kind of got some flaws talent-wise and and leads them. So, listen, no one's going to be happy completely until 
they get to the Sweet 16. It's not going to be a success for Illini fans, mostly with the new standard, but they have set a new standard. They keep getting bites at the apple. And I'll say, like, this team is going to be good. I got questions about it. I got questions about its ceiling, but they'll make the NCAA tournament. The question is, are they going to be good enough to compete atop the Big Ten? Or are they kind of that second tier of the Big Ten? And can they make the Sweet 16? Like, that, that's going to hang over Brad Underwood until it doesn't happen. But Josh Whitman went out of his way to say, we got a good thing going in basketball. Yeah, look, somebody's listening to this and rolling their eyes because that's not what they want to hear. And I get it. Like, yeah, don't mis- don't mistake that for Josh Whitman saying like, oh, well, gee, <laughs> yeah, shucks. It's good to be like, that's not what this is. Um, I, I looked at it more like somebody's going to look at it as him and make an excuse for his guy or whatever the case is. And a lot of that's rooted in frustration. I, I, I get it. When Brandon Podemski gets drafted in the first round tonight. Yes, yeah. I, I understand where all of this is – like, no one's trying to scold fans for being frustrated uh, about how this has gone. But I think there was just a dose of um, – I think just Josh wanted to, to present reality a little bit too. You should, um, use the word perspective. Perspective, okay. yes. Yeah, and the perspective doesn't mean that everything's perfect. You, you can still point out your flaws, but I do think it's – you zoom out a little bit and and see that this program has had a lot of success. You used a term earlier uh, that all three programs are relevant. Some of these programs, and for a while with men's basketball, it's like kind of comically irrelevant. Um, and, and now that's not the case. And again, that's that's nobody is saying now yeah, whatever first round. Yeah, you guys just be happy. Like the NCAA no. tournament doesn't matter. No, the NCAA tournament matters. But what Josh was saying is like. There's there's way more variance in this small sample size of the NCAA tournament, and it's why we love it. It's unpredictable, but it also uh, there's the negative side if you're on the the upset side, like Illinois was with Loyola, right? No. Like that, I, I, that's the bad part about the NCAA tournament. But at some point, you make it enough, and you don't get far. Like with Matt Painter, at some point, it's like you got to change something. Like do, like, I mean, Purdue fans should be excited about their team coming back, even if you lost to a 16 seed they probably have a great chance to win the Big Ten and, and be a one or two or three seed, whatever it is. But they haven't made the a run to the Final Four in 40 years. They haven't had a prolonged run, right? So I get all those things. Um, but Illinois still needs to keep getting bites at the apple. They've only had three so far. And, and, and the one is the one that really stinks. Yeah, and you said earlier, and I didn't get the sense that Josh Whitman was slinging PR for his men's basketball program. But there was some of that in there. That's what athletic directors do. Uh, and Josh Whitman's a very forthcoming person. But the nature of this business is, is at times to to kind of sling that out there. And it's our job to, to wade through that and, and see it. But I think this was more of a perspective for me than, than just like. Yeah, there, there's PR too, but I, I just felt it was genuine. I like did, I yeah. Genuine and it had some logic to it. I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, at some point, as you mentioned, if the tournament that second weekend continues to become elusive as you get later and later into this, there's going to be more and more questions um, every year that happens, but this is a damn good basketball program. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good program and he's right. Like this team is in contention in the final week to win the big 10. Now the Ohio state loss last year that ultimately doomed them tough, tough, but you're in there, man. You, you are in that battle. You just, if you're a fan, if, if you're Josh Whitman, if you're Brad Underwood, you want to see that go to that second weekend because that, that second weekend is is a golden uh, – and obviously everyone 
the the expectation is like they want to go further. They're not just happy to be in the Sweet 16 and be like, hooray! Why, they want to go further. Says, that's why when everybody says, "Oh, I'm going to be happy just with football making bowl games," well, when you get to that fourth year, and and you're in the same tier of bowl game, you're gonna be like, hey, "I'd really like to go to a college football playoff, right? I'd really like to go to." the orange bowl or whatever it's going to be right. Like just a higher level of, of bowl game. You're going to feel that at some point. And that's where Brad Underwood is at uh, with his program, especially after the, the loyal loss. Uh, one thing that else that stood out to me, I was really interested. Josh has been so busy fundraising, constructing new facilities projects. I think he said eight in his, in the last five years that they completed, I think six in the last two years that have, have been completed. Uh, so what, what's next was, was the big question. They are making the wrestling standalone facility. So that, that is underway. That's a big project, $15 million project, but the next big thing is more incremental. Uh, it is an expensive project, but they are going to, uh, improve Memorial stadium, but it's more with the fan experience and the fan experience is a huge, huge takeaway from this. Whitman really wants to improve that for football because we know Joey, Football ticket revenue is the lifeblood of most athletic departments outside of the TV media rights deal. And right now, basketball is still out revenueing ticket wise uh, football. So that is important for Illinois moving forward. And they are going to have a new video board within the next several years, new sound system, uh, better Wi-Fi capabilities. Uh, so a lot of those things that, that Illinois fans want. And then the east side, the south side. The east sides, they're making incremental improvements. They've they've done you know some window treatments, some painting, some some new floors, new bathrooms. They're gonna do some new bathrooms in the south side, I think, after this season. They have the new field turf, all those things. So it's a little bit more cosmetic than some grand, grand renovation that's gonna take e- several years, right? But I asked Josh Whitman about that later. Like at some point, they want to make some big changes to the south end zone. And the north end zone, which I thought was interesting because that happened just when I was in college, 2005 to 2007. Um, so that could get an upgrade as well. I think Josh Whitman's going to want to lower those stands a lot closer to the field. That's my read on what he'd like to eventually do. But that is very expensive. And as he said, probably not feasible right now. Yeah, to me, the biggest thing when you talk about improving, like you mentioned, the video boards, more food trucks. This, the biggest thing for improving the fan experience is to make it run better on game day. And that is an emphasis. That was my biggest facility takeaway because I consider that a facility upgrade. Yep. Uh doesn't matter how nice your seats are. If you're if your fans can't get in and get a soda, beer, food, they can't get in before the third quarter. I mean, all those things they got hammered and they should have gotten hammered last year and some of those games where it was just bad. Like fans are alive. When you got fans in line at the start of the second quarter. Uh, that was awful. And yeah, Josh Whitman announced yesterday they are now like Illinois used to have its own staffing uh, for, for all these events. They're going to now con- contract an outside you know, source for that. Like so a different staffing company is going to do that. Illinois will pay them so that they are their staff. He said we have problems of people just showing up. We have, we have problems of having enough staff people. And that's why they had such issues. And that can't happen. You, you cannot have that happen as an athletic department. It's, it's at least nice that you know, you hate that it happened and it's a, it's a failure for Illinois to let that happen, but at least the AD is, is addressing it for fans. Cause that you can't have people come to the game and have a terrible experience like that. No. So they're adding food trucks. There's going to be some changes in concessions. Um, I'm just reading off my, my notes here. Um, 50 new points of sale, which is, you know, some of those are going to be walkthrough where 
it, it go, it's designed to go quickly. Uh, I think in the West Balcony, he mentioned some more. They're going to try to pilot an in-seating option. He said, for us to get where we need to go, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, Memorial Stadium has to be full. You can't fill it if it's a nightmare to get to. And I think that's such a big first step. Like, to me, that's the biggest facility upgrade they can roll out next year. Yeah, it's, Memorial- it's stuff you take for granted until it doesn't work, right? Like, oh, we want people to come to the stadium. It's got to be a good experience. And it's not just about like, Hey, what songs do we play? Like, yeah, that stuff matters. And that he said, we're, we're focused on changing some of that stuff up as well, but you don't see it. If you're in line for three hours to go to the bathroom, it doesn't matter what you do yeah, on the field stadium on time. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And like, you know, you can shoot off fireworks, have more people. And, that, and I thought that was the biggest thing he said in relation to all of that is make this better because as your program gets better, ideally for Illinois, more people go to watch it, which is more money in Illinois' pocket. And if you're making it a mess, man, I'm, yeah. you're not going to go watch that. There's nothing worse than being at a game. At, I say when there's nothing worse game experience um, than, than being somewhere and trying to go get a hot dog or a beer at the end of the first quarter, and you're you're not back until ten minutes left in the second quarter or whatever. It is. That's that sucks. Yeah, I will say they they improved as the season went along, right? Like they they did improve it, uh, but the hard part was like the season opener. How many people were actually there? Like twenty to twenty-five thousand, and they were having those issues. If you're gonna have fifty to sixty thousand in there, like you better be staffed up. You better have that prepared. Uh, and the good news is, despite that early season issue, Joey, football season ticket sales are up eight thousand uh, from the end of last year. Whitman said so, and he hopes to increase that by nine thousand. He said there's a ninety-two percent renewal rate this past year, so that's a lot of revenue, uh, and that's that's gonna be important for Illinois moving forward and. He hopes single game ticket sales are, are, are going to be better this year. And he said they're going to have low single season ticket prices, I think, beginning July until the season starts. So um they're gonna they're gonna definitely market market to the price, Joey, to, to get people in the stands this yeah, year. Yeah, they don't they don't want to be a situation where you've got a big game against Michigan State coming up and you've got to move heaven and earth to get people to show up to that um last minute in that game week. Because you just you, one, you, when we've talked about this, you need the season ticket base to go up so you're not moving as many single game tickets week over week yeah. uh, to get those. And I think he said the target was somewhere near 30,000, like a realistic target for season tickets. Uh, but yeah, you, you don't want to have to do that. He said there's not going to be those this year, those flash sales where it's please, 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 please come on Saturday for this big game. They're going to gonna be aggressive early. I'm, I'm interested to see how that works um, because – Last year, I thought those flash sales did move and get some yeah. some traffic in there. But yeah, man, that's I mean, I'm really fascinated to see what the price point is when that comes out next month. The last thing I want to bring up there's there's some big issues with the NCAA. We are still at an inflection point of college athletics. Uh, I think the transfer portal is what it is. NIL is what it is right now. Um, though there's some legislation that could change all of that. Student athlete compensation to me. Uh, Whitman said last year is the biggest issue, and I still believe it's the biggest issue moving forward. But Whitman kind of said all this last year, but you have a new leader at the NCAA in Charlie Baker, former governor of Massachusetts. You have a new leader uh, at the Big Ten now, Tony Petiti, with the the shocking move of Kevin Warren leaving. Um, Whitman said he's met with with Charlie Baker. He's had some productive, very candid conversations with him. Uh, Whitman is supportive of Baker's NIL legislation package, which includes a standardized NIL contract, 
agent certification and, and registration. We can dive all of this stuff later, Joey, but disclosure of NIL deals potentially privately uh, among the schools. Uh, but uh, it seems like he likes what Charlie Baker saying so far, though I would call, would it be fair to say Whitman is skeptical of the NCAA and, and their ability uh, to lead throughout this process. So maybe a new leader can help. Uh, but he's very impressed with Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. Um, and one of my biggest takeaways, I guess, from this entire thing is I think Josh Whitman is really gaining confidence. Like I think he feels empowered now, or at least he's been here long enough, and he's he's the third highest tenured AD in the Big Ten now. Only Hobbs, Pat Hobbs at Rutgers, and uh, at Ohio State are longer tenured. And Gene Smith is. The, 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 we should say that's like when Gary Barter retires. Yes, which which is coming. But yeah, that's that was. We were talking to some people afterwards about that, and it's like whoa. That that is yeah. um that, that came quick, but with that, you're seeing Josh become a little more and, and we've seen the makings of this, Jeremy, for the last two and round tables, but we it, knew it was there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I asked Whitman what he needs to see from leadership. Sorry to interrupt you there, Joe. Uh, but I asked Whitman like what he what he needs to see from those guys. And I just want to read this quote. He said, we have to lean into change. We have to be prepared to make challenging decisions. Sometimes we get caught up in what's easiest, which is always uh, aligning with what has been. We're at the moment where leadership is prioritized. It's at a premium. We need those two guys and all of us to fully flex our leadership muscles and show we're not afraid of navigating a very complex, evolving environment. I know the word progressive to half our audience is not popular, but... Josh Whitman said, we have to be progressive. We have to chart our course. Like we have to decide how we approach NIL, how we approach all these things. We can't have the courts or the legislatures decide this for us. Like we need to put forward these solutions, get them approved um, so that we can move forward. And that's why he is bullish on student athlete compensation in some form. Now, how you get consensus on that is why leaders like Baker, like Petiti, and Josh Whitman are, are, are going to be important because if the court is going to decide this for you and you're scrambling or the legislature, which doesn't know college athletics as well as you, Whitman's afraid about what that's going to actually be. Yeah, he is. And look, he brought this up, which I thought was interesting to, to point out. I think he did it without a question. Like you're seeing athletic directors go find something else to do uh, with their skills just across the country. Like this is such an inflection point. This is so much moving at once. And I'm going to tie it back to what you're saying, Jeremy. Um, they're just, they're finding something else. They, they can go make more money, probably have a more normal life uh, doing something else. Uh, but Whitman was really, I think he's intrigued and excited about the idea to have, Josh Whitman's not writing legislation, but to have his foot or fingerprint on some of these changes. I think that is a really, really exciting thing for him and what keeps him and you know in this right I, I think that that's really important for him so yeah I, he, he's progressive in a lot of ways and nothing new I don't think I left there yesterday like oh I didn't know Josh Whitman had that stance uh, but he just continues to hammer at home and he's not really letting say letting it go but his stance hasn't changed or softened um, over the course of the last really two roundtables since we've been doing this, he's being a leader, and and you can see why people in that athletic department, man, believe in him so much. I, I don't think I can hammer that point away. And then yesterday, 
you know, the fact that he, you know, he does this every year, I think is really positive. Um, but he's, he's starting to say, this is how I feel. This is where we need to go. He's not like, well, uh, that's behind the door discussions we're having. Like, I, I don't want to step out of my place. Like he's like, no, it's my place as the Illinois athletic director as one of the most tenured athletic directors in the big 10, which is the, one of the top two conferences here. Um, my opinion matters and I, I can shape opinion. I can sway things. And, you know, I, I'm a expert on this, so I, I'm going to give my opinion. And I think that's really important. I think it's good for Illinois to have that kind of athletic director because they have not always had that. That's right. Yeah. He's, and he's on a couple NCAA committees moving forward. He, I'm just interested with his career trajectory, like what it could be. I think it could be a lot of things. Uh, I don't know what he wants it to be. I wish there's a, I don't think that's a setting to ask because he's very intentional with everything. I think the NCAA presidency would kill him with a bureaucracy of it because I mean, you're, you're basically a a commissioner of like the NFL, like the owners and which is the presidents and chancellors are basically the ones though. I think he would be interested in being able to reshape that role to where it's maybe a more powerful, like David Stern like role than, than maybe a Roger Goodell who's just kind of taking orders from people. But um, yeah, I I don't know if that's interesting. I mean, big 10 commissioner, I think he'd be really interested in that job eventually, but I think this this has been his dream job, man. And he cares so much about Illinois. And um, you well, know, obviously his stewardship's been pretty damn good so far. You know, just uh there's been some missteps. Nancy Fay, Lovey Smith, right? Like uh, he, not everything's been perfect here, but Illinois is in a far better place since since he took over. I mean, what he took over was a disaster, and now Illinois is relevant in the Big Ten and in those three major sports. Yeah, someone was asking me. Um, one of my friends afterwards it, it asked his facilities is a big thing, right? And Memorial Stadium is probably the number one that people have questions about. Uh, but I said, Man, do you realize how much ground has been moved in the last six, seven, eight years? Like, it would be so interesting to get somebody who hasn't been back in Champaign, like a former athlete, let's say. Um, so drive down St. Mary's Road and 4th Street there, dude. There's been a lot of, of ground moved, a lot of buildings built. I mean, it's really, it's crazy when you step back. I don't even know who the perfect athlete would be like, whoever hasn't been back. Um, it almost would have to be somebody who knew that area so intimately, who, who has been in all these places that now have these buildings. Didn't Darren Williams come here a couple months ago? And, and yeah. he was like, man, I guess yeah. this is different. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting to get their perspective. Uh, just a few other things. Somebody asked any updates on hockey. He was not asked that for the first time in like six years. Um, that's the update. Yeah, that's that's the update because <laughs> there, there is none. Basically, last year, it was basically asked me again in 10 years. Like that, that they they put this off. It is not feasible. He is focused on all these other programs. Uh, Volleyball Huff Hall, they're, they're trying to, to upgrade a little bit. But I think the next huge project is, is Memorial Stadium South and North End Zones. Like I, I think that's the next project. Whitman wanted to do it, man. Uh, but uh, – the economics changed during the the pandemic, and and that's a shame. But I think he'd love to do it eventually, Joe. I just don't think the next decade fans should expect anything different on that. No, because the, the way he wants to do it, which is the way we saw with, with the downtown facility, like that has so many different moving parts. It isn't as much as just saying hello. We have hockey. Like there's so much that goes into it. And now, if you got a random hundred million dollar donor, sure, like yeah. Penn State did. Yeah, sure. If you know a guy, I guess have him call Whitman. 
Yeah, no guy. Anybody know a guy? <laughs> Terry Pegula, the Buffalo Sabres owner. Like, yeah, this Reinsdorf. Oh, damn it, Reinsdorf. That wouldn't that wouldn't end well. Oh, you're still so mad. Go White Sox, go Bulls. <laughs> Doing so well here. Um, new Big Ten scheduling format. No big surprise. I, I get, we'll, we'll write about this. Um, but Whitman's in favor of it because Purdue and Northwestern are rivals. They asked to be rivals. They were. The one interesting nugget was that somebody asked, like, who would have been the third team? And he said that they never got this far in discussions, but Iowa and Indiana would have made the most sense. But Iowa had three other teams that they thought were bigger rivals. And I, Indiana – if I were Illinois, I would have taken Indiana, but Illinois didn't seem too keen on, on protecting that one. Uh, Whitman did want Michigan for 2024 for the 100-year anniversary of the Red Grange game. Uh, so they got Michigan coming here in, in 2024. So I think that would be pretty cool on the 100-year anniversary of Red Grange's monster game against the Wolverines. Yeah, and not necessarily just football scheduling, but Josh had talked about as you start to bring in these California schools, um, across all sports scheduling? How does it make most sense financially, travel-wise, uh, to get out there? It's, it sounds a lot like a sport-by-sport -sport basis, but I, I did ask, I said, well, what's that look like? And he threw a bunch of ideas. Some of those ideas are, do you charter two teams out to California, one on one plays a UCLA on a Saturday or Thursday, and then you flip for Saturday games? Like, there, there's a lot of, it sounds like that could get creative, he didn't he wasn't married to any idea uh but it does sound like there are some creative ideas in motion to make that a feasible trip because it's a long it's a long trip dude yeah i think you could see more of the, I, those west coast schools i think are going to have to do the Rutgers maryland thing right illinois northwestern michigan michigan state like i think they're going to have to make the, those trips out of it obviously so th those scheduling offices man like those are those are pretty intense jobs just logistically of of how you do it, and of course how you pay for it. Football is like the easiest, right? You should go out there like that's that's a cakewalk. Yeah, that's a day of trail. NIL um, likes where Illinois is with, with Icon, especially great relationship there. Um, did talk about how he's concerned about the governance of all these teams, and he's basically nervous about pay for play. Basically, what he said is we should set up NIL to be NIL, which is go get sponsorship deals. Right. Just like you mentioned Tiger Woods and Steph Curry and all these guys. Um, while the pay for play stuff should be the compensation. Now, how that is all set up, I have no idea, Joey, about how they're going to do that. But he'd like those two things to be two separate buckets. He does not like that NIL is basically becoming pay for play, but we all saw this coming. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been uh, he's been talking about this for a while. There's it feels like NIL, uh, it's kind of the vibe I got. Like it's, it's understood now by a lot of people um, and I, I, in the athletic department, out of athletic department. But to me, it still feels like there's another big shift coming. I don't, and, and that would be pay for play. Are uh, you seeing that in some courts in California? That, that seems to be the next big wave. I don't know where it's going to be um, or when it's going to be rather, but that feels like the next wave coming to this, to this landscape. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, sports gambling, he reiterated, he's not against sports gambling. He's been against college sports gambling. And he was happy that the Illinois legislature basically put a one-year stay uh, on uh, allowing in-state gambling on in-state sports. I know a lot of people are not fans of that, including our boy, Brad Evans, but, but Whitman is really nervous about this. Um, he brings up social media, the pressure there. Uh, he brings up the scandals at Iowa and Alabama with sports gambling. 
So this is this is an issue he is not moving on, and he continues to be an outspoken um, advocate of prohibiting gambling in state on college sports. Yeah, I have the same thought as I did a year ago. At some point, is the money just going to make that not matter? Because there's so much money in sports gambling, um, especially he, college he sports. Knows. He knows. He knows he's fighting upstream on this. Yeah, um, but he's still going to fight. He's one of those where it's like he's, he's, he's always said he supports the coach all the way until he can. He's going to support this stance all the way until it just gets it just gets too much and, and there's no no fight back. Which I think is probably ultimately Jeremy on its way. Um, as much as Josh Whitman doesn't want to, they'll revisit the state legislator will revisit in a year. Uh, this summer they revisited and they decided to kick it down for another year. But I, I, he knows he knows this is a tough battle. Yeah. Anything else for forgetting from Whitman? I mean, there's a lot in there. There's two hours of <laughs> yeah. no man. I was just scrolling through my notes. I mean, he's just really effusive uh, of where everything is and the finances. There wasn't a lot of after COVID. After after everyone kind of got out of COVID and things stabilized, the finances became, they're still a big deal, but it's like the numbers were just so darn jarring um, during, during that. So I didn't, I don't really have a lot more. Yeah. I also want to shout out as Whitman did yesterday. And we had a little get together uh, with them yesterday. Kent Brown, Illinois SID, uh, Illinois SID, 28 years i believe and he was four years at kansas state so he's been in this business for for a long time and, and kent um you know i i've been other places you've had different sids kent was always helpful and uh the most important thing is he, he understood our role so i i just want to shout out kent brown who's an illini encyclopedia joe if you if you need any information about illinois he knows it and uh he served the best spread in the big 10 food oh. so i know that he's very high in, in, on your list because of that yeah look here's and you experienced this jeremy you may be a little different for you because i know you had a different path but for being like there's so many new faces that come in to cover college programs everywhere um camp made you feel welcome like that's the biggest thing i can say about him when i was in decatur tupper stepped retired and Kent just made me feel welcome and like he Dude, it can be a lot, especially when the, the new faces are oftentimes younger people stepping into a, a big role. Kent, I mean, just made you feel like you've been there for 20 years and, and would help you because he knew your role. He would help you in whatever way you could be helped. Uh, that that matters, man. Like that matters a lot more than the awesome food spread, which I have taken full advantage of. Um, just he's one of the good guys. Like that's the best thing you can say is he's, he's one of the good guys who – who understood everything, didn't he wasn't combative. Now, his job is to make sure, like his, his job, he's an Illinois employee, right? But he he got everything we need to do. He's, he's one of the good ones, man. It's going to be weird. I think we'll still probably see him, uh, but it's going to be weird not having him sit behind us in the press box for football games. Yeah, and congratulations to Derek Burson. He's been the SID for basketball for, for a couple of decades now. Um, he's taken over the big role, and, and Brett Moore and Danny Maddy and all of those guys do a, a really, really great job. Uh, within the SID office. So uh, they got a good group there. Uh, and, and Kent uh, obviously set the tone there for a long time. So shout out, happy retirement, KB. Uh, and yeah, we'll see him at some Illini games, but enjoy some more Cubs games and uh, enjoy being the dad and granddad now that, that uh, he gets focused a little bit more 
on that stuff. All right, Joey Wagner, appreciate it. Uh, for Joey, I'm Jeremy Warner. Thank you for listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. Shout out to all our YouTube live listeners. Hit the like button on the way out. Subscribe to us. Hit the notifications bell. And thanks to all our podcast listeners as well. Give us a like, follow wherever you get your podcast. Got tons of content on a football, on a basketball recruiting. Josh Whitman, more in depth on what he went through at the media roundtable. That's all going to Alana Enquirer, where you can still get a 50% off membership uh, if you want to sign up for vip through the rest of the month at savings of more than 60 dollars for joy wagner i'm jeremy warner everybody have a great day take care of each other we'll talk to you next time right here on the online choir podcast bye everybody